0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School,
2: this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM, channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, and I'm the career director for the executive MBA at the Wharton School. Also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers: How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. And if you haven't heard, we are back live in the studio every Thursday at noon Eastern. So if it is that time, 844. 844- 942 7866 We're excited to speak with you about any and all job search and career questions, and we have a very special guest to help us with that today. But I also want to welcome Dion and Dana in studio. We are so excited to have you guys here. You guys make the show sound great every week, plus you make it lots of fun. And if you're just catching us, 844-942-7866, get on the line. We want to hear your questions because It is always about you here on Dr. Dawn on Careers. So let's go ahead and introduce our fabulous guest, and she has been on before, so we're so happy to have her back, Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the evil HR lady. (laughs) She has spent 10 years in corporate human resources where she hired, fired, managed the numbers, and double-checked with the lawyers. A TEDx speaker, Suzanne, writes for a number of publications, including Inc.com, CBS Money Watch, Business.com, and many more. So if you've ever wanted to understand what the heck is going on behind the scenes in HR, today is the day to call. Welcome back to the show, Suzanne.
3: Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be back.
2: Yeah, we've we've definitely missed you. Happy spring. Um, Hope that everything's going well in your part of the world. But I I have to dive in with what are the hot topics in HR? What are you hearing? What's going on?
3: Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) It's still all COVID all the time. In HR, we've just switched from the disease to the vaccine. And uh, when we signed up for HR, we didn't realize that we were going to be writing vaccination policies, of course. Um, but here we are. And then, of course, um, a, a lot of job hunting issues. Uh, a lot of people were laid off last year, and a lot of people are getting back to work now, and it's, uh, it's a busy time.
2: Yes, I want to talk about all of these things on the show, and I want to invite our listeners. If you've had a question you've always wanted to ask HR, but maybe we're we're too shy to ask, you can give us a call 844-942-7866, because Suzanne will give it to you straight, no holes barred. That's why we love that's why we love the evil HR lady because you're gonna tell us like it is. So very exciting um, news about uh, the vaccine and life getting back to normal. But what is normal? And and okay, what about vaccine? Policy. I know there's a lot of questions out there, Suzanne. About can my company force me to get it? Um, Can they? Can they um, mandate it? Do I get free time off to do it? I mean, all of these things. I'm sure you're dealing with. So, what's what's the scoop?
3: Well, uh, we could do three hours on that, but I'll (laughs) give you a short answer. So the EEOC, that's the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, they came out and said, yes, you can require your employees to be vaccinated. But um, there is a lawsuit pending right now. A prison guard in New Mexico sued because he said that the COVID vaccines, all of them, have only been approved for emergency use and therefore are not officially um, FDA-approved. And because of that, the EEOC doesn't have the authority to grant us the permission to require. Um, So while the EEOC is saying you can require your employees to get the vaccine, with exceptions, of course, for disability or religion or pregnancy, um, there is this lawsuit pending, and we'll see how that all turns out out. Um, That's one of the many reasons why I don't say that you should require people to get the vaccines, but that you should encourage them to get the vaccine. And that's a a slight difference, but legally it makes a huge, huge difference. As for paying people to get the vaccine, there are some complicated things. If you're in New York State, you are required to give four hours of paid time off for every vaccine that the employee gets. So if they get the um, Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, which requires two shots, you have to give them eight hours of paid time off. If they get the Johnson & Johnson, which is just one shot, they get four hours of paid time off. But as far as I know, that's the only state that mandates paying for vaccination But to make things more complicated, if you are requiring vaccines, then you have to pay them for the time it takes to get the vaccination because it is required work. So um, the nice thing to do, of course, is to pay no matter whether you're in New York or not and whether it's mandatory or not, because that's something that can really encourage people to get it, especially when we're talking about lower paid people that are paid by the hour. You don't want to lose money to go get vaccinated so if your employer will give you that time off that's really helpful
2: so, so key is check with your company, check with your state, and I'm sure that these are changing daily, Suzanne, as everything has with COVID over the last 12 months. So so definitely, um, we appreciate that overview and give some people some ideas about what questions they should ask. But hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Business Radio. This is Dr. Don on Careers, and we are live if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 844-942-7866. Super excited to be here with Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the evil HR lady, so if you've always had a question or wondered what's going on behind those doors in HR, Suzanne, will give it to you straight. We're going to go right to the phone today with Lisa in California. Welcome to the show, Lisa. What's on your mind today?
0: Oh, hi. Um, I was calling because I wanted to find out what an HR director feels about the um, how everybody employee is related to the HR director and as an employee of this company how do I how can I help this because it's it's a negative atmosphere it's everything is not fair it feels like and it's very tense and of course COVID made it even worse so that's my question because we feel like there's nothing we can do about it and it's not things aren't happening the way they should but it's the HR directors related
2: to everybody in the in the company. Okay, but but not way. you, but not you, Lisa. Right? You're no, not. No, no, okay. no. Okay, I'm an outsider. Okay, so so it's kind of a family business, and and um, you're not part of the family. But because of that, it's creating some negativity and obviously some favoritism going on and and challenges. So yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Right.
0: Right. Well, it's not in a, it's actually not a family business. It's actually a government entity.
2: Oh, okay. Um, in
0: the, uh, in the, it's in the college community.
2: All right. Well, Suzanne, how are we going to fix that? <laughs> well, my answer changed when
3: you said it wasn't a family owned business. It's just that she's been, uh, I suppose, influencing, um, the hiring to get uh, the relatives in there. And, So my question here would be is this HR person the top HR person in the school Um, or is she just over this one department? Because if it's the top in the school, um, there's probably not a balloon thing you can do about it and you just have to either say, I'm either willing to live this way or I'm not. But if she's not... Um, then I would definitely um, raise this with the higher people and not necessarily in HR but in the line management because you shouldn't have a situation where the HR director is related to anyone um, or even friends with anyone because of the problems you have with favoritism, which, of course, you are seeing right and left.
2: Well, that's that's so, what okay. I was going to ask you, Suzanne. Like, is there I mean, surely this HR person reports to someone. So there's someone. But but what what repercussions does Lisa have in terms of is there a rule that HR people can't be related or can't hire their friends? I mean, is that is there a law that any legal repercussions that Lisa has?
3: There's not any legal repercussions. Um, it's perfectly legal to just hire your your friends and family. Um it depends on what the policy is for the business as a whole Um she said this is a college situation um, there may be nepotism policies in place but a lot of times people don't bother to implement them because of course that's not a problem why would that be a problem
0: <laughs> and
3: it's one of those things that isn't a problem up until it is and then you've got it embedded into your organization so Legally, I and mean, the one thing that you can run into problems with hiring family members is that um, it really kills diversity because, of course, you're all the same. But as long as that isn't an an issue, then then it's not illegal to do. It's just really a bad practice because HR needs you be able to look at things objectively and of course they can't look at things objectively if you come in and complain that your boss is sexually harassing you but your boss is the hr director's cousin uh, how's that going to go over well go
2: over um, really badly if it was hr director's husband <laughs> probably uh, so, that
3: would be sorry that would be a good one there
2: <laughs> so yeah, yeah
3: and This is something that you should definitely bring up because it's destructive. However, I do have to warn you that it's only in feel-good movies where reporting it fixes the problem Uh, because it's unlikely that anybody's going to come in and start firing people for the sin of being related. Um, This is a time where I would decide, do I like this job enough to put up with the the politics and the family drama, or should I start looking for a new job? And, you know, I, I rarely advise people to quit without a new job lined up. And this is, doesn't seem like a situation where it's so desperate that you have to do that. But it definitely is a time where you should start looking and see if there's anything better out there. Uh, because it's not violating any laws. It's just really bad practice. But do raise it. And. Um, Especially if people don't have the same last names, it can fly under the radar. There's not generally questions within HR systems of, you know, who are you related to? And universities often have related people in there because um, they'll frequently do spousal relocations um, for professors um, and give the, the spouse a job as well there's often a lot of people that are related within the single university, but they tend to be spread out. It's when they're in direct reporting relationships that it becomes a huge problem.
2: Yeah, I think I think Lisa, this is going to be a tough situation because cultures, the culture of universities tends to be very political, very siloed, very slow to change. And I think you have to weigh the the repercussions of of bringing it up, and even if it gets solved. Then still, um, you know, what what does that mean for you if there's, you know, I, I know there are laws against retaliation, but, you know, how enforceable are they? How, how do you prove those? But, um, yeah, to Suzanne's point, I think might be a good idea to dust off the resume, start start feeling things out other places, because I think this is going to be a tough one to change. And even if you were able to change it, I think the after environment of that might be toxic in a very different way, but still not the ideal environment. What are your thoughts on that, Lisa? Yeah, that sound, that all sounds
0: really good, and it does—I mean, I don't need this job, so it's not— like I'm worried about that part, but my my immediate supervisor is very affected of, by it because her husband was let go illegally. Um, they're trying to unionize and they're retaliating, and, and you know she and I are the only two we work together. So we're that's the only reason I'm still there. Um, so you know I, I do need to decide if that's something I'm going to bring up, but there's no, I, there is no way to go anywhere really because even the president of the college is involved. He just kind of turns the other way. I guess I'm not really sure. So it's just frustrating because I feel like it affects the environment for the students when they come back. Right now there are no students on campus, but once they do come back, I, I feel like that's going to hinder all of the um, outreach to bringing people into the college to take classes because of that. So I just feel the overall picture is is really sad. So. That's why I thought I'd ask
2: somebody else. Yeah, I think you're right. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, sad, sad is a kind word, but I mean, usually those things catch up with, with places over time. Sadly, it might have to self-destruct before they make any changes, but hopefully you and your boss can be long gone before that happens so that you're not involved in any of the fallout of that, Lisa. But that is a tough situation, and I um, appreciate you calling because Suzanne is, is definitely an expert in this area, <laughs> so you picked the perfect day to call, Lisa. Wishing you all the best, and hey, if you've got a question for HR you can call us at 844-942-7866. This is SiriusXM 132 Business Radio. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, and we are here with Suzanne Lucas, aka the evil HR lady who is answering all of those questions. You've always wanted to ask somebody in human resources, but We're afraid to ask 844-942-7866. You got a problem going on in the office or just curious about what's going on with hiring. Today is the day to call. So let's let's talk about hiring and what's happened over the last year, Suzanne, because I think it's been a tough year for a lot of people. They've been furloughed. They've been laid off. They've been, um, you know, maybe reduced hours or put in risky situations having to go into work. So there's a lot of things to unpack in that area, and um, I want to I want to kind of talk about just your your general thoughts on the the landscape of hiring right now. What are you seeing in the market? Are companies opening up? Are they posting positions? What's going on there?
3: Um, there's some interesting things going on in the market. Um, you know, as you said, there was a lot of layoffs, a lot of furloughs, and then there were other areas where business was booming. I always joke about whoever makes plexiglass must be, you know, lying in big piles of money right now. It's suddenly their products became in use everywhere. But um, what you have seeing is some some low paying jobs that are opening up again that are having a tremendous difficulty hiring um because of high levels of unemployment and federal subsidy payments that people are getting. And it makes perfect sense. Why would you want to go into work if you were uh, getting a significant amount of money to stay home? And so they're finding it difficult to hire and add to that the stress of COVID on top of that. Why should I take any risks if it's not going to, going to profit me? So some of those uh, entry level jobs are really, really struggling to be filled and then of course you have in in the in the white-collar world was undergoing this weird transition where everyone has been working from home for the past year and now people are starting to go back and some people are liking this and some companies are demanding that people return and some people are, are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. So they're out looking for jobs that are fully remote. And on the flip side, you have some people who are going crazy because they've been home for the past year and can't wait to get back to the office. And their companies are saying, no, no, we're not going back. And you have those people out looking for jobs where they can get a job in the office. And it's just a very confusing mishmash of what people want it'll take a while to sort all of that out but we still have some areas where there isn't a job to be found um, and then others where where they can't get enough applicants and it's a really uneven distribution of who is unemployed versus what jobs are available right now there's not a good match between those two groups so on the one hand, you have companies saying, there's no talent, I can't find anybody. And on the other hand, you have people saying, I've been looking for a job for a year, why won't you hire me? And it's just this mismatch of the skills that companies want and the skills that are out there and available.
2: So what, what are those skills, Suzanne? What, what are those companies who are yelling, we can't find anybody looking for?
3: Well, like I said, a lot of the um, entry-level restaurant-type jobs um, those are really opening up as, as more and more states remove their COVID restrictions. Um, you know, it made big news a couple of weeks ago when Texas did but they were actually the 16th state to do so. Just the other ones did it really quietly. Um, more and more states are opening up. California even said they would be opening up in June. and um, That kind of made me think, oh, I guess health froze over. I didn't expect that to happen for a long time. Uh, so a lot of those jobs that went away, um, with, without, you know, restaurants being opened and takeout only and all that are now coming back. And they're, they're having difficulty filling a lot of those positions. Um, with the white collar work, that seems to be a little bit more stable. But of course, a lot of white collar workers were able to work from home during the pandemic. Anyway, and again, you're seeing the same in um, a lot of, of blue-collar areas and factory work. Um, that as as companies are more willing to open up and the vaccines go gets spread further, um, making it a little bit of a safer environment. But again, those jobs don't pay well, and people are understandably a bit nervous about going into a company that requires tight, you know close quarters working with other people when they're a little bit so apprehensive about COVID.
2: Right. Yep. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Sirius XM 132 Business Radio. And I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And we are live if it's Thursday, noon Eastern. 844-942-7866 with our guest, Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady. And we're going to go right back to the phones with Cindy in New York. Cindy, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today.
4: Hi, Don. So I have a sales agency, and we work with natural grocers across the country, and we have independent contractors who, you know, work with those accounts. So I'm just wondering, with the pandemic, you know, how long do I wait? You know, some people still haven't been going back. You know, basically our whole business model revolves around servicing these stores before I realign territories. And because they're independent contractors, they don't work for me directly. So it's kind of tricky, and I, you know, don't want to take people's money away, but, um, you know, I just don't know how long is is long enough to wait before we can really start getting back um, to what we were doing prior.
2: So, so you have you have the 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 position of making the decision of of all back in or or not? Is that what you're saying, Cindy?
4: So it's because we have. Um, It's a different type of business model, kind of like an Uber, you know, the independent contractors that um, service for us. They don't work directly for us, um, so it's difficult to figure out how long do we give, you know, certain areas that have been more, you know, depressed and not growing, how long do we wait before we make changes? That
2: makes sense. So you're saying we have the we have the
4: ability to make you know decide we're not going to use that contractor anymore. Gotcha,
2: or, gotcha, gotcha. So you have to make the decision to say you know we're done. This isn't we're we're moving on in a different direction, or yes, we're going to bring you back. So so I guess um, Suzanne, what are some of the implications that Cindy needs to think through in this situation?
3: Well, this is really complicated because, like I said, California just announced that they're going to open up in June. Is that a guarantee that California is going to open in June? Absolutely not. (laughs) And, um, you know, Utah is supposedly 100% open as of this Saturday, I believe. Um, Does that mean that in May it'll still be 100% open? Because if COVID numbers start to go up again, will they bring restrictions back? And that can be a really tough thing for someone in your position because you're guessing. Right. And um, and so my best advice is to just pay really close attention to both the COVID numbers and the vaccination numbers and also to what the state governments are saying. Um, I honestly think at this point, ignoring what the federal government says is your best path because the governors are like, we don't care. and We're going to do what we want to do, um and that's where you're going to find your your real differences. I mean, there's there's no way that. Um the Texas is going to change their mind with anything that the federal government says. You know, it's just not going to happen. So um, it's going to really depend on the areas that you're located in because it will be very different. Now, if California does go ahead and open and they open safely, I think it's going to be a really difficult for any other state not to fall behind them because California has been the really hardcore corona restrictions. They've been really stricter than anybody else. And if they open, I can't really see, you know, Nebraska not following along behind them. Um, And it's just going to be an interesting thing to watch. But you've got to guess, this is the hard thing, is that you need to make decisions today about what's going to happen in May, June, July, and August. And we just don't know. We can hope that as more and more people get vaccinated that um, the cases will um, go down. It's been interesting watching um, watching Israel, they're the leaders in vaccination and um, their numbers have just really been dropping. They have um, fully vaccinated 55% of the population um, compared to the US, which is at 19% fully vaccinated. But 33% of the population has received at least one shot. So we're really, really making progress and we should see numbers dropping. Um, and so you know, depending on how much faith you have in the vaccine and how much faith you have in the American public to get it, and that's also something that's going to vary from state to state, the, the rates are not equal across all states. So this is a place where if you have business across multiple states, you really need to look at each and every state and what their plans are what their vaccination rates are, and then try your best to figure out what to do. And I don't envy you. This is an impossible choice you're in.
2: Yeah, this is definitely a difficult choice to need. And I'm I'm wondering, I, Suzanne. One other thing I was thinking of looking at is human behavior because I think I think all of the the indicators are people are, as, as others get vaccinated, they're kind of coming out of their shell and maybe a little bit too early. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but as the weather's getting warmer, as people are just getting fatigued about being quarantined. So, you know, people are doing more even though we're not quite there yet. So I, I, I'm wondering if that's another factor that Cindy can kind of use in her calculations.
3: Absolutely. And I think that's one you need to take a look at at the, the culture of each state and state cultures are very, very, very different. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a very, very different thing, whether you're in New York or North Carolina, the, the cultures are, are very different. So you do want to look at that and you do want to see whether people are, are going out, whether people are shopping or other people are still using the curbside pickup or ordering everything from Amazon it really depends on the location so if you've got a huge territory that you're dealing with this may be an overwhelming amount of data and you don't want to get analysis paralysis and looking at it you've got to go ahead and make a decision based on your best guesses but those are the things that you want to look at like don says uh, the cultural aspects of it what the governors are saying um What state legislatures are doing, a couple state legislatures have now overridden their governors, um, which is an interesting uh, political thing, which, again, HR isn't generally very political, but suddenly we have to watch all of these political things because it implements what we do in our everyday everyday jobs.
2: Yeah, yeah. Cindy, I don't envy you either. That's a tough job. Most of us just have to worry about kind of what are we doing day to day or our families, and you've got to worry about about a business so you know perhaps pulling some of your customers and seeing what behaviors they're seeing and does it align with the data that's coming out or does it does it not align but we wish you all the best and thank you so much for calling and good luck with your your decision it's definitely a tough one in this ambiguous environment hey 844-942-7866 you're listening to XM 132 I'm your host Dr. Don Graham if it's Thursday we are live at 844-942-7866 we are Here with Suzanne Lucas, oh, aka the Evil HR Lady, and we are answering your questions all hour long. So if you have any questions around your career, the job search, or what's going on with COVID and the vaccine and companies and remote work and all those fun things, today is the day to call. But right now, we have to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz? There's a quiz? Yes, yes. There's always a quiz. Um, And this might be a hard one for you, Dion, because I don't think you watch either of these shows slash movies, but um, I have a backup if you don't like it. All right. What do Miss Piggy and Yoda have in common? (laughs) What do Miss Piggy and Yoda have in common? Hey, if you think you know, 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Sirius XM 132. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Business Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, author of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers, and C's Success. We're here with Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. The Evil HR Lady, taking your questions all hour if it's Thursday noon Eastern at eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, 942 But just in case you missed the pre-break quiz and you want to play along, I'll give it to you. What do Miss Piggy and Yoda have in common? If you think, you know, 844-942-7866. But before we get to answer that, I think we have a mailbag.
1: I wasn't. I, I I wasn't ready with the sounder. That, that that's on me.
2: <laughs> Damn! <laughs>
1: <Dan>. I forgot. <laughs>
2: that's okay. That's okay. I know you were thinking about the pre-break quiz and really, really concentrating on that answer. We don't we don't need a sound. Mailbag is fine. You ready for it? All right, Dana. Dana. Dana's on it. <laughs>
0: okay. Well,
2: Stan in Oklahoma
4: has a question. I was furloughed and eventually laid off last fall due to the pandemic. Now that I'm in a hardcore job search, I'm getting zero responses. I've been unemployed for over six months now, and I'm wondering if I'm being discriminated against because of my long-term unemployment. The jobs I applied to are ones that I'm qualified for, so I'm not sure what else it could
2: be. Should I change the dates of my employment to make it look like I've only recently lost my job? Please help Oh, thank you, Dana. So this is an interesting one, Suzanne, because I I definitely believe there is unemployment bias and I know that is, is a tough thing after this year because a lot of people are long term unemployed. My my general thought is no, don't don't lie on your resume because that can only end up badly. But what can be done if you're in this situation?
3: So this I mean, unemployment bias absolutely exists, and actually, I'm in the middle of a discussion on LinkedIn about this very thing. And um, and and, uh, and <laughs> a resume writer, executive resume writer Sarah Johnson, um, leads off with an employment gap does not equal a gap in character, and this is absolutely true. Um, but you have a lot of companies that are like, oh, yeah, well, um, I have two candidates. One is currently employed, one is not. Clearly, the one that's employed is better because you would have kept your job if you were a a better employee, which is completely false. Um, This is one of the things that I did for three years is do layoffs, and I've laid off over 3,000 people. um, And I can tell you that probably 2,950 of those were outstanding employees who were just in the wrong job at the wrong time. I'm sure some of them were bad, but the vast majority just bad luck. That you already know. That's not terribly helpful. But as Don said, don't go changing the dates on your resume to make it look um, look like you're still employed or look like you just got laid off because that can catch up with you. And that's the type of thing where, um, where you'll get bit in the behind by it, um, where they offer you the job, but then when they do the background check and they call your former company and they say, oh, no, uh, she, she terminated in March of, of 2020, not November. Um, so that's, that's an issue. Uh, there are a couple of things that you can do to address the lack of interviews. The first thing is I would say take a look at your resume. And does it read like a job description or does it read like a list of accomplishments? Anytime you have responsible for, that is a job description. Um, You want to say, um, you know, you created, you did things, you weren't responsible for them. Anybody's responsible for things. It doesn't mean they did a good job. If there are numbers that you can put in, you know, increased sales by 20% or in the top 5% of, um, of employees, or um, anything with, with numbers. If you manage people, tell, many, tell me how many direct reports you had. Um, anything with numbers is eye-catching, and so maybe that can be something that you can take a look at your resume and maybe rewrite it towards an active um, what you accomplished rather than what your responsibilities are. The other thing is networking is really the way to go. And I just, you know, I mentioned LinkedIn and people use LinkedIn in weird ways, but I'll tell you a way to network really well on LinkedIn. And that is follow a bunch of people in your area and then comment on their posts and make intelligent comments intelligent, relevant comments on your posts, they will get to recognize you. And then when you reach out, um, they'll feel like they already know you because you've been making these comments on their posts. And that can be a way to kind of cold call on someone without cold calling on them. Um, because, you know, Lincoln is a free-for-all, so you can certainly just start commenting on things that they that they write, and that can get you kind of an in and help you in that networking thing. The other thing is is to really pay attention um, to what's going on in your area and um, try to find out spots where jobs are going to open up before they open up, and that can be really difficult. But that can also give you a
2: huge advantage. So Suzanne, um I, I agree with everything you said. I, I wanna I wanna even dive further into this because I've read over the last year that you know, COVID has the whole pandemic has changed how HR or how hiring managers are are viewing gaps that um you know they realize that things happen in life, whether it's you you stay home to be with your family, you take care of a maybe an, an an elderly person, your family, you take a six month sabbatical to travel. But you know, I think what I've read is that we're realizing, you know what, just because somebody takes a a, a gap or decides that they they need to step away. That, does, as you mentioned, does not decrease their value. So I'm wondering if it's going to become less of an issue. And I'm also wondering, even though I don't think it's anyone's business, why you stepped away? Because, you know, hey, we all have personal lives. That's part of being a human. I'm wondering if putting something, you know, in your in your resume or cover letter that says, you know, hey, I, I uh, stepped away from the workforce to my kids were homeschooled for the last six months of the pandemic or something. Do you think that would be helpful? Or do you think you don't have to explain anything? This is, um, you know, just where we are in the world.
3: I think if, you know, your, your last job ended in March of 2020, it's pretty obvious why you, why you were gone. Um, But it is really important to mention why. And the reason behind that is because People will fill in information when they don't have it, and they always fill in the worst possible answer. That's true. You know, especially someone that's been unemployed for five years. Well, you know, why are you unemployed for five years? Now, of course, me as a mom and as friends that has many friends that, you know, quit work, stay home with their kids, they say, oh, that's obvious. Someone just stayed home with their kid. You know, that doesn't faze me. But not all people think that way. And so, as you mentioned, yeah, I decided to stay home with my kids. You know, of course, some people will say, "Don't do that because then they'll discriminate against you for having kids at home." Possibly, yes, but why else would you be out of the workforce for five years? You know, were you in prison? And that's kind of where their minds go. Well, so some people I, were
2: so. That there's that's that's a whole other issue. But yeah, some people need to explain that.
3: Issue.
0: Some
2: people need to explain that as well. So, um, and we're happy to help you explain that because it's true. People have it's bad true. things happen. To, people get sick. People, you know, I, there are things. But I. I I agree with you on the the, the assumptions. There are going to be assumptions. Everybody has a red flag. And if you think about the hiring process, it's about elimination, not selection. And that first step, I have three hundred resumes. I have to get it down to 10 to phone screen and then two or three to bring in. And the only way I do that is I flip on the switch in my brain that says, what are the red flags? And you're right, Suzanne. If I don't know why you have a gap or I don't know why something is like it is, I'm going to assume the worst. And And I don't know why we do that, but we do. We assume the worst and we say move on to an easier, um, you know, resume to digest or easier resume to defend, which is I know for a while people were putting, um, you know, if you were out of work six months, they were kind of putting they were their own consultant and they did, you know, classes and they did some side gigs and stuff like that. And I do think. That employers want to know that you were engaged and involved, whether you were volunteering or whether you, you know, h- hung your own shingle for a few months or maybe you got some certification. So I do think that's important. But do you think that's something people should put on their resume? Only if they actually did something. Well,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. people will be like, oh, yes, I ran my own consulting firm. and And they didn't do anything during that time. No one hired them or you know, they redid their brother-in-law's website. Um, that's not really enough. And one of the things that has been really tough in this pandemic is like you said, with the childcare um, and a huge number of women, and the number is not on the tip of my tongue, but it's huge uh, voluntarily. And I say that with quotation marks around it, left the workforce because of the schools being closed, um, because They decided with their spouses and partners that someone ought to be home with the kids, and they were the ones that took it. Now, I absolutely respect that decision. Someone needs to be in charge of the kids. And my kids are are older. My youngest is 12, so um, they're perfectly happy to have me ignore them all day. But (laughs) I don't know how I would have done it if I had toddlers. I don't. Right. I don't. Um, yeah,
2: interestingly, LinkedIn has added a "stay home parent" or "stay home mom, stay home dad" at, on their list of skills, which I think is a you know is a good thing. I don't know how the industry will react to it. I think it's different, right? If you have been in that situation, you can totally relate to it. Maybe if you haven't, then you can't relate to it. But but I th- I think you're right. There was, uh, you know, PwC published something that said the pandemic is reversing gender equality in the workplace back to 2017 levels. <laughs> and, um, you know, they they expect the gender equality index to fall two points between uh, this year and next. So so there are definitely things that are happening in the workplace that that are um, changing due to the pandemic. And I think in Stan's case being unemployed um, I, I think I agree networking networking is you know kind of a blanket answer for everything and I know that can really annoy people so I don't want to use it as a blanket but I like your advice about connecting on LinkedIn I liked your advice about if you're applying and you feel you're qualified find somebody in that. That company, or somebody who has worked previously for that company and maybe has some ins, to just get your resume in front of somebody because we know applicant tracking systems. Um, and we could talk a little bit about that. I know everyone always wants to hear about applicant tracking <laughs> systems, and um, you know, we know that it's sometimes difficult to get to human eyes, and even if you do. That these biases exist, but let's let's talk about that, uh, Suzanne. Applicant tracking systems. What do people need to know? Well,
3: they need to know that you know how it's really annoying when they say upload your resume and then fill in all the information. Yes, very annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying, but you got to do it. Um, and companies see fall off on it for so people start and then they give up, but it's a stupid hoop that you have to jump through.
2: So, you know. It driven, is a hoop. It is a hoop, a hoop. But but I think people forget humans program these or they use the sort mechanism and and you know, if you're maybe they sort by are you currently employed? And if, yeah. if they sort by that, then you're an automatic out because you're not currently employed
3: right you're not and you know you'll hear also some advice where like you know copy the job description in white text and put it on your resume so they can't see it but when they do a search it'll show up don't do that please don't do that yeah don't do that But, but do take the job description one of the one of the tricks that i like to use um especially when people have these huge job descriptions that are like 40 bullet point job descriptions is you can put them into one of those word cloud things and they will pull out the most important words that are used frequently and the action words and then that'll give you an easy view of okay these are the important terms that the recruiter is looking for and make sure those terms are in your resume um, that can be a really helpful thing if you're wading through and of course if you're looking at a lot of jobs um, within the same area you can make one word put all the job descriptions together and make one word cloud and you'll see what's really important within the industry um, that that can be really helpful because our brains aren't necessarily programmed to to pull that out but those word cloud things and they're all over the internet and they're free so
2: yeah uh, that
3: can really help you in getting those right keywords into your um, into your into your resume um, but As you were saying, it really becomes a process of elimination. So you want to have as few reasons as possible to reject you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things that I always, if someone gives me a resume that just has years on it, I am always suspicious. (laughs) Now, if it was I worked from, from 1999 to 2017 and the same job, then I don't care about the month. But when it's like, I worked 19, uh,
2: 19, 20. <laughs> we heard the 20s. 1920? <laughs> if you're working in 1920. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm old. Okay, so, but if you like say
3: 2020 to 2021, and then I'm like, was that a. Right, but that's. Tired and yes, December?
2: that's exactly the bias we're talking about, though. <laughs> that, that I know. But the thing is, is that people will fill in the worst, and that's me.
3: I'm filling in the worst. So if you just put the years, I'm like, how long was it really? And right, if I've but- got 20 other candidates, that's going gonna, gonna to wash you out.
2: I Be know, but why? It. Why? Like, does it uh, mean then, you're not good?
3: <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not good, but if you've got a whole series of jobs that are short-term, um. It's going to be a strike against you. Okay, that's and, different.
2: That's different. If you have all of, all of your ten jobs have been less than a year, that's different. But <laughs> I know, I th- and this is this is an important conversation, Suzanne, though, because this is what this is what people are thinking behind the scenes and their total assumptions. Total assumptions. And this is why job seekers have such a hard time because, you know, if you put the dates in and it wasn't a full year, you're going to get biased against because of that. If you only put the years, people are going to assume that you're biased against before. It's so hard. But let's answer the pre-break quiz. <laughs> well, it. oh, Yeah. Yeah. I know the answer. You know, oh, Suzanne knows the answer, Dion. So you've got a lot of a little competition. Well, I, well I don't
1: then I know, know what know not answer.
2: to say. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Well, what do Miss Piggy and Yoda have in common? They both have employment gaps. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they find jobs anyway.
3: That's okay. right.
2: Do No, Dion's <laughs> going to answer it. Dion's going to answer All right, Dionne.
1: <laughs> okay. So it, so it was Miss Piggy and Yoda or, or Baby Yoda?
2: I, I don't even know what Baby Yoda is. Okay. Like, I, I, I'm old school. 70s, so, so, 80s.
1: <laughs> so here's my thought process. So, so Yoda wasn't like a dude, right? It was like a... a, a I didn't see Star Wars, as you know.
2: I, I know. So, which is like mind-blowing in and of itself. <laughs> well, like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. And you, you gave him a... And he had a job? What? Yeah, I know. I know.
1: That wasn't on my resume. Yeah, he, if you put that on your resume... <laughs> I I'm, kept that off.
2: If you put that on your resume... you. You will certainly be be tossed out (laughs) of the ATS, no doubt.
1: (laughs) So, all right. So so Yoda was was like, I don't know if it was CGI in the 70s, but it was like, it wasn't like a dude in like a Yoda suit, right? I don't know. (laughs) Because here's my thought.
2: (laughs) I don't think it was a dude in a Yoda suit.
1: Miss Piggy and Yoda were voiced by the same person.
2: Oh, he's right, Suzanne. Is that your answer too? That's my answer. That's my answer too. Oh, yeah. You guys are just spot on. Frank Oz, actor, director, producer, and puppeteer. So I guess he was a puppet. Yoda.
3: Yeah, he's a puppet. He's a puppet. Okay. okay.
2: Frank Oz began his career performing several Muppet characters, including Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, also Cookie Monster, Burt Grover from Sesame Street. He was busy. I know. I know. See, he probably has no gaps on his work <laughs> That's that's what i'm thinking but he's also very versatile so um but it'd be interesting because you know i don't know uh puppets are probably not very popular anymore so now we're all cgi and do we need voices and you know
1: well you need voices i don't know if you need like a puppeteer though that, that might be an outdated job
2: yeah that might be an outdated job i don't know um Very good. I'm very impressed. I see you found the ding button. You couldn't find the mailbag button, but you found the ding button. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I see where your priorities are there, Dion. Oh, boy. Oh boy. So, yes, awesome. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Business Radio Series XM 132. I'm your host Dr. Don Graham. We're live if it's Thursday noon Eastern and we're here with Suzanne Lucas, aka the Evil HR Lady. So, so I think what we've established Suzanne is that it's hard, that it's it's a, it's it's still somewhat of a game and we kind of have to play the game and 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 that is really demoralizing for a lot of people who are out of work right now. Um I know I know that networking helps, um, back in our our case earlier in the call, it sounds like being, being family members with the HR director can help, um, (laughs) but, but not in, not necessarily in a good way. Um. But, yeah, what, but but what can people do if they're getting, you know, rejection after rejection or worse, getting ghosted? I know we talk about networking, um, but but do we have things that are hopeful to look forward to? Or, you know, should people be getting certifications? Is that going to help? Should people, if they are unemployed, be volunteering? What are some of those things they can be doing? Yeah, I'm,
3: the certifications can't. and there are certifications that you can get cheaply there are expensive certifications and there are cheap certifications and some of the cheap ones are actually quite good and I right now I'm actually working on a certification um, that was on sale at Udemy for $14.95 so (laughs) like this is something you know that I just for my own personal development but There are things out there that you can do quite cheaply. It doesn't hurt. Volunteering is sticky because it depends on what you're volunteering on. So, you know, if you're a lawyer and you want to volunteer as legal counsel for a nonprofit organization, that's fantastic, and that can go on your resume. If you're that same lawyer and you are volunteering as the the class mom, that's Really good for your kid in the school, but it doesn't belong on the resume. Um, so you may want to see if you can pick some volunteering that um, that can can help with the resume. And any not any, but a lot of nonprofit organizations would be happy to have your skills regardless of what they are. Right. Um, you know, if you are like I'm a marketer, well, call up the you know. Local children's charity and say, look, I would like to volunteer uh, a few hours a week to help you with a new marketing campaign. It's they true. There, there's would love
2: you. A lot of places that need help, and um, yeah, and I think that would be both. Great for your resume, but also great for meeting people, building your network. So, Suzanne, thank you so much for being here today. Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the Evil HR Lady. You definitely want to follow her on Twitter um, at, uh, what's your Twitter? Oh, I'm at Real Evil
3: HR Lady. On
2: real. The real one, not the fake one. Real Evil yeah, HR Lady. Someone else took my, took Evil
3: HR Lady, and then they never tweet. Which oh. is bad, good for me, but how rude. Yeah, how yeah, rude. Don't
2: don't be that rude person on Twitter. Hey, you've been listening to Series XM 132, Dr. Dawn on Careers. We are back live every Thursday. Thank you to Dana and Dion who got the quiz right today. And, of course, our guest, Suzanne Lucas. And we will see you next time.